All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. Well, it's another podcast, and you know that by that familiar music. We'd like to welcome you to our 83rd edition of the podcast. Since uh, 2007, we've been here doing the best we can to bring you the best of Kiss. And sometimes the worst of Kiss, so of course that's probably you and me, right, BJ? Anyhow, uh, I'd like to welcome BJ here. How are you doing, sir? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. Um, of course, Kiss fans are still reeling from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nonsense, and that's pretty much what I call it. What do you think about Kiss and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that stuff? What do you think about it, BJ? Well, I'm glad they're in. Um... I've never been a person to completely dismiss the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I like the idea of it in theory. I like the idea of having this museum like a shrine to rock and roll. That's something that celebrates the history of rock and roll. I think that's something that should definitely exist in this country. I think rock and roll is probably one of the greatest cultural achievements that America has ever you know, accomplished. And I think there should be a place like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. unfortunately the people running it have really bad taste and that <laughs> their bad taste you know factors into into it unfortunately but well to me it's not so much their bad taste but it's their arrogance and their unwillingness to bend to well it's bend. their arrogance about their bad taste right it's their it's the fact that Bonnie Raitt is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame which is based purely on the taste of the taste makers behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because right. What has Bonnie Raitt accomplished that puts her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, a decade before a band like Deep Purple or Kiss? It's completely ridiculous. It's absolutely you know? insane that Deep Purple is not in there. Or Cheap Yes, Rick, it's, or... it's, it's, I say Deep Purple not being in is like Ty Cobb not being in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. It's did... that ludicrous. <clears throat> absolutely. And, and then they, and then they <clears throat> put Bonnie Raitt in, which doesn't make any sense. Well, what? <laughs> You know, to me, if you look down the list of people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think one of the most ridiculous is Bonnie Raitt, because for one thing, she sums up the taste of the people behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And also, I mean, <laughs> you know, I could come up with probably a list of two, three hundred bands just off the top of my head that should obviously be in the Rock, rock and Roll Hall of Fame long before Bonnie Raitt. So it's just ridiculous. Well... Uh, there was a new uh, rock and rap confidential newsletter, which Mr. Marsh is part of. Uh, and there's an article that was printed in that, in this recent March edition. And it's called Marsh on Kiss 2014, Why Kiss Ain't on Our List. And Dave Marsh writes that he was the first person to give Kiss Inc. Uh, back in 1973 <clears throat> and uh, who cares <laughs> right but but it was not a hostile uh, article in his words he, this is this is what he said about kiss this group looks as if it stepped out of the underground movie pink flamingos leading me to believe that I was right all along and thinking that the glitter craze was an ugliness contest but kiss's music sounds as if it is the most thought out controlled sound around and the stage show is just as professional and they say Eddie Kramer of Led Zepp and Electric Ladyland fame wants to produce them heavy metal meets El Topo 
He goes on to say, okay, I called them ugly. Why the fuck did you think that they added the face paint? Other than that, it's at least a kind of backhanded praise. It's honest, too. I didn't like Kiss, but I recognized what they had going for them, though I wish they had mentioned manager Bill O'Coin, a great market manipulator who's been cheated out of almost all credit thanks to the megalomania infesting that band's camp. Musically, I was done with them before I ever turned the first album over to the second side. Kiss had an extraordinary aptitude of adopting every cliché in hard rock history, and a complete absence of any ability to create so much as a hint of a new one. I suppose maybe they were the model for Motley Crue. The most interesting of their studio albums is Destroyer, and it's not all that interesting, except as an example of a highly professional output of producer Bob Ezrin and guitarist Dick Wagner during their mid-70s. On their own, they were not clever at coming up with riffs. The beats are as repetitious as punk, but without the energy. And their most interesting lyric is Beth, which is nothing more than third-rate Bob Seger blended with second-rate Billy Joel, or maybe Detroit Rock City, which is... A clumsy Jay Giles swipe, and so forth, except for the disco album, I guess. But they have the best makeup in the hall, until Insane Clown Posse is inducted, at least. I realize this paints Kiss more as a mediocre than incompetent, but, well, if the only qualification is having made a record at least 25 years before the ballots got mailed out, they are qualified. And perhaps I should be fortunate enough not to see the advent of Justin Bieber and one day in the... He must mean One Direction, right? Justin mm-hmm. Bieber and one, one D in the Hall's once formidable Hall list of inductees. So he goes on to uh, basically talk about the sexual politics of Gene Simmons. and He's very crude, as Mr. Simmons can be as well. And he goes on with a bunch of other stuff. Uh, we'll post the link somewhere on our Facebook page. You guys can read this for yourselves. But he goes on to say later in it, Kiss didn't have fans. They had an army because they were the biggest band of their era. The truth is Kiss never sold more than 2 million copies of a studio album, although that was precisely the time when the Bee Gees and Fleetwood Mac, the Eagles, and a bunch of others began to sell 10 million and more. One reason Kiss's audience is early teenagers though these days that is true more often emotionally than chronologically, of course. That nice little backhanded thing there. Mm -hmm. Is that only someone stuck there would be so militantly gullible. Why shouldn't Kiss be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Because they have added not the slightest musical value to rock, which is why they were not especially huge record sellers, and because so far, in one way or another, the Hall has avoided honoring the music at its most mercantile and shallow. Now, I'm going to step out of this for a second. He mentions that Kiss didn't sell that many albums. If that's the case, I guess the Ramones should never have been in there. And I love the Ramones. I, BJ, you know I love the Ramones, right? I mean, we've talked about them before. I love the Ramones, too. But I like Kiss more, though. Cool, but the thing is, is that we've always been told by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame it's not about sales, it's about the artistic integrity, blah, 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 and the importance of an art, of an artist. And to me, if you're going to say, Kiss only sold two million copies of a studio album, I know that the Ramones were never big sellers. They just weren't. No. It became more popular, and again, we love the Ramones. We're, we're saying that right up front. This is not 
any sort of backhanded compliment to them. But it has become more important to people to wear a Ramones t-shirt than it is to actually know their music. And that can also be applied to artists like Jimi Hendrix, who is not as big as a seller as people would imagine. I mean, if you do the research, you'll be surprised at how much Jimi Hendrix does not sell. I mean, you would think he'd be right up there with the Beatles or whatever, but it's, it's not happening. And it's, it's, it's very bizarre. So that's kind of strange. And uh, he says, but above all, there are so many worthy candidates who are not in the Hall of Fame. At the snail's pace at which the hall parcels out inductions, many of the artists in the list below will be dead before they are even on the ballot. In Kiss's own genre and time, by which I mean 1970s hard rock, almost every fan of it as a whole, as opposed to the Kiss Army, would agree at least Cheap Trick, Deep Purple, Judas Priest, and Motorhead are not just more deserving, but far, far better choices. Not every one of these 50 artists who operated at more or less the same time as KISS are going to end up in the Hall of Fame, nor should they. But they are all better than KISS. Then he puts a list of 50 artists, and he was not the only person to assemble this list. I'm going to not read all 50 artists, but I'm going to hit the heights, okay? No, hit the lows. <laughs> well, okay, well, I guess we're just going to do all 50. Dave Marsh and the cronies at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame feel that all these bands are more worthy than, than Kiss being in there. And I would agree on on many of them. I'll, I'll be straight up honest with you. Alice in Chains, Anthrax, Bad Brains. Now, you want to talk about a band that didn't sell the, anything. This, all right, this list is already completely ridiculous. <laughs> We're just completely. In, we've just started the bees. Bad Company, damn straight, they should be in there. Black Oak, Arkansas. Yeah, but Bad Company deserve it more than Kiss. Black Oak, Arkansas deserve it more than Kiss. No way in hell. Get real. They have Black Oak, Arkansas has what two songs and a female singer. That's all I oh can really my. think of. Black Crows, Blue Oyster Cult, Body Count, Bootsy's Rubber Band. Body Count. Body Count. <laughs> Ice Tea's What I Did on My Summer Vacation Band. Canned uh. Heat, Cheap Trick. The Commodores, Deep Purple, Def Leppard, Dio, Foreigner, Free, definitely should be in there, along with Cheap Trick and Deep Purple. Right. All, all Dave Marsh is doing is making a list that makes the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame look like idiots. Exactly. Including himself. The wonderful Jay Giles Band, Humble Pie, Iron Maiden, The James Gang, Rick James, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Judas Priest, Crocus, Living Color, the MC5. Why are they not in there? That's a very important yeah, thing to rock look, history. they're idiots. Molly Hatchet, Mother's Finest. There's another huge what? selling what? band, Mother's Finest. I'd have to look that Before up. Before Kiss, Mother's Finest, and Molly Hatchet. What was original about Molly Hatchet? I don't know. That nothing. guy's voice was... Absolutely nothing. Well, they covered Hide Your Heart, so that gets them in there. Um... Mott the Hoople, they definitely should be in there. Mud Honey, yes. the New York Dolls, Ted uh, Nugent. Now, Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes. Now, he slams Gene Simmons in this article for his sexual politics, but, you know, Wang Dang, Sweet Putang gets, like, lost on Mr. Marsh and the people that put this list together. Um, Ted Nugent and his politics, let alone his sexual politics, we don't need to get into all that, but, uh, I mean, the guy was dating a woman that was underage, and, well, 
go watch Ted Nugent's Behind the Music. It's all there, and it's it's a, it's an it's an interesting story. Life is what it is. The Ohio Players, Pantera, Poison, Poison needs to be in there before Kiss. Well, I like Poison, fun band. Not saying that. Anyway, I think they'd say what we're in there and Kiss isn't. Proco Harem, The Scorpions. Social Distortion, Soundgarden, Steppenwolf, Twisted Sister, Ten Years After, Thin Lizzy, The Time, and War, Wasp. That's right, Wasp. Wasp before Kiss. <laughs> yep. White Zombie. And it says this list was compiled by <sighs> RRC, not Dave Marsh alone. So the people who put that news list, uh, newsletter together, the rap, Rock and Rap Confidential Newsletter, put, pick, put that all together. So, there's a couple things I want to say about this, you know, before we step off of it, and I'll let you have your time. There are many KISS fans who believe that KISS would not make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of their merchandising, their promotion to children and kids at heart, if you will, uh, the fact that Tommy and Eric were wearing the famed makeup of the legends Ace and Pete. All these reasons were things that some KISS fans thought, this is why they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I hear nothing that equals any kind of respect coming from that camp towards KISS. And this is the kind of mind thought. They do not want KISS in there. The only reasons they would want them in there is because they can sell some KISS t-shirts down the line with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame logo on it. They want to drag you into that hall and they want to exploit you. That's the only reason that this is happening. And there are people like, I'm sure that the Foo Fighters or, or Dave Grohl or, or whoever would that, that would have gotten in there. Band, people like that. Like, for example, Rush. I'm sure that they voted for KISS. But the folks that run the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are condescending people who feel that their opinion is the only one that matters and I disagree with that highly my opinion is only my opinion BJ I hate to break it to you your opinion is only your opinion but Dave Marsh and company seems to think that they are the ones that set the bar and that is the arrogance behind Rolling Stone magazine and that is the arrogance behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you can have the last word on this go for it yeah, this Dave Marsh article exposes everything that's wrong with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. For one thing, the taste and opinion of a select group of people should not be what decides who goes in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, obviously. And then he, this idiot makes it, posts his own list of all the bands that makes him look like an idiot. And then imagine all the bands he left off. Like, were Badfinger on that list? No. Was Thin Lizzy on that yes, list? Yes, Thin Lizzy you know? was, yeah. Was, uh... Was Blue Cheer on the list? Were the no. Raspberries on the list? Nope. Was Nazareth? Was Slade? Nope. Was T Rex? Was UFO? Nope. I mean, the you know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has a severe bias mainly against hard rock and metal because the people behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame don't like hard rock and metal and they think they're right. But like I said, obviously the taste and opinion of a select group of people shouldn't be a deciding factor in this. Absolutely. It should be historical merit influence. Things like that. Dave Marsh, he thinks body count belong in the Rock Row Hall of Fame before <laughs> Kiss. Well, makes sense to me.
So BJ, the last couple episodes of the podcast have been hard for you to listen to. Number 81 with Bill Starkey. Number 82, our crossover with uh, Mr. Joseph Polo from Podcast Rock City. Would you explain a little bit of where you're coming from? Well, you know, I'm one of the people that completely disagrees with Tommy and Eric wearing Ace and Peter's makeup and costumes. <gasps> Say and, it isn't so. You know, there's some people that would think that we wouldn't even let you on the show. All right. Now, when I say <laughs> that I don't think Tommy Thayer should dress as Ace Freely on stage, mm-hmm. that's not me bashing Tommy Thayer. That's not me hating Tommy Thayer. That's just having me having an opinion about something that he does. That's all. Absolutely. But it's always it's always framed as hate or Tommy bashing. Why do you think but that the, is? Well, they they know deep down that it's not right. So then they get defensive right away about it. Well, I disagree with you, but we're going to you and I are friends, right, BJ? Would you say that? Yeah. And you and I are going to disagree probably on most of this episode. Would you also agree with that? I don't know. Well, we'll I'm see. I'm going to say probably we are and but there are going to be things that we do agree about. But even if you and I disagree with every single thing, we are still going to disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that that's one thing that's been lost in the KISS Army lately. And I think it's really sad that you can't have a discussion without being labeled a sheep, a hater, drinking the Kool-Aid, or Haterade, or whatever nonsense people like to do. There's that old saying that you label me and negate me. And I think that that's happening, and it's really stupid. Over guys wearing makeup, folks. This is not world politics. There's no starving uh, band called Kiss somewhere that needs defending. There's, you know, this is, there's no real right or wrong. It's a band doing what they want to do. And we can either be fans and like it, or move on, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean but that if you, you can don't be, like Kiss, I can be I can be a big Kiss fan and right. also disapprove of Tommy and Eric wearing the makeup. They're not mutually exclusive. Exactly, exactly. Like for example, you can love the first six albums of Kiss's catalog, and that's it. There are some bands that I only like certain albums of, and I wouldn't listen to the the rest of their catalog if you held my feet to the fire. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that I don't like those six albums or love those six albums. We all like what we like. So this is hopefully going to be a civil uh, conversation between BJ. And if it's not, I'm going to pick up this aluminum chair and I'm going to put my heavy <laughs> uh, heavyweight belt on and I'm going to meet him down at the Enormo Dome and we're going to wrestle it out on the next pay-per-view. So watch out, folks. Look, I've I've been a huge Kiss fan for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I was Gene Simmons for Halloween when I was five. I was Gene Simmons for Halloween when I was seven. I wore a Crazy Nights shirt to middle school and got made fun of. I wore a Hot in the Shade shirt to high school and got made fun of. I remember that I wore my Freely's Comet shirt to the first day of eighth grade. In fact, the Freely's Comet cassette was the first thing I ever, first album I ever bought with my own money, like with mm-hmm. my allowance. It was Freely's Comet. Now, here's something I want to ask you. You say freely. I've always said freely. Yeah, I know. I Well, I know it's probably freely, and I've, but I, yeah, I always thought it was Ace Freely, and it's hard for me to say freely. I just can't. I just can't do it. Ever since I was a kid, it was Ace Freely, and I just can't bring myself to say freely, even though it seems like that's probably the correct pronunciation. How about that guy? 
<laughs> no, okay, from here on, I'll just refer to him as the Spaceman, okay? <laughs> oh, ouch. Zoinks! Oh, wait, wait, wait. That would, if I say the Spaceman, who am I talking about? It could That's be right. it more could than be one confusing. person. No, I, I need to be specific here. Or There's more than one a, Spaceman. It could also be a character. Well, um, you know, I said all that about my Kiss fandom because I've been told by people that I'm not a Kiss fan or why, why am I a Kiss fan or why am I even here talking about Kiss because I have an opinion about a certain aspect of the band. Well, in that same respect, I'm going to lay something out for you, okay? Been a Kiss fan since 1975. I bought originals when it came out. Went and saw Kiss back in those early days. Big Ace Fraley fan. My walls were littered with posters. I built scrapbooks. I did all these really stupid things. Before I had a guitar, I played a tennis racket, a baseball bat, and a broom to emulate Kiss and the Beatles and all these other bands. When I finally got a guitar, I tried to figure out Day Tripper and Parasite all the kiss riffs that I could and when I first could make my guitar cluck like a chicken like Ace did I felt like man I'm really getting something just because I could go and that's probably how it sounded too folks and I've been told that I drink the Kool-Aid and that I'm a sheep because I can accept kiss for what it is in 2013 14 whatever and it's strange that you and I are both getting assaulted for our opinions on something that should be fun, which is shouldn't be all that political, but there is a, seems to be a politics of kiss at the current moment. Um, well, we've, we've seen the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame controversy really, you know, brew things up with this. And, and why do you think it took that to really kick this into high gear? Because... It was really important to a lot of people to see the original four guys get up on stage at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and pay tribute to their legacy. And, you know, it, it sounds corny, but a word like closure kind of applies here. It would just be a really nice moment that a lot of KISS fans would really like to see. Oh, I agree. And I think it would be a very nice special moment in time. It seems like it's not going to happen. And I think a lot of people blame the current version of KISS, that the existence of the current version of KISS, for that. Well, uh, now, I don't know how much of a role that plays in it. I will say that, in my opinion, Tommy and Eric have no place at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't see any reason for them to be there at all. Well, That's my opinion. I feel that they have a reason to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They've both recorded a few albums with the band. They've been members of the band for a very long time. Were they the band that are getting inducted in the sense that, you know, we talk about those first six studio albums, and Alive and Alive 2, for example. That is the band that planted the tree that everybody else rests under. Well, so when it's hot in the shade or cool in the shade, and you've got, you know, Bruce Kulick and Eric Carr, and everybody came after those original four, the originators. And it, it's absurd to try to minimize the hard work that the original four did. It's also absurd to minimize the work of someone like Eric Carr. You know, like, for example... I think if, if there's any person that really doesn't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'd say Mark St. John because he's like was like a blip on the radar, literally. But, uh, 
he's still in the band. Like you look at a band like Temptations, and there's been so many people come and go in that band, and uh, who's to say what's valid or are you just gonna base it on the hits? Now, I can see the logic behind just inducting the original four because it gets pretty convoluted when you've got Vinnie Vincent's short tenure, you've got Mark St. John's even shorter tenure, but. You know, when Metallica were inducted, Robert Trujillo was up there on stage, and how long had he been even been in the band? Exactly. So, to me, I think that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should have a blanket thing. Okay, we're inducting Kiss. We pay tribute to the original four guys, but we also put these guys' name on the trophy or whatever the hell that you have to do. But what I'm talking about is performing on stage. No Tommy and Eric. Why... Why would Gene and Paul feel loyal to have Tommy and Eric perform at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't. That I do not get. Well, there's a couple I, reasons I can give you. First off, Kiss is going on their 40th anniversary tour, and they enjoy being Kiss with these guys. A lot of people say, well, they're nothing but hired guns and employees. Well, the same could have been said about Eric Carr, Vinnie Vincent, and Bruce Kulick. Kiss is, and in a lot of ways always has been, Gene and Paul's band. Well, that's, that's not that, true. But the the, no, the, the, well, well, the it, thing is, you say that you know Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent were hired guns. Eric Carr didn't dress up like Peter Chris. Vinnie Vincent didn't dress up like Ace Frehley. You know, to me, that's a that's a false comparison. It's not the same thing. Tommy and Eric are pretending to be Ace and Peter. See, I don't and think they've, that they they've are. cheapened they've cheapened the idea of what not Tommy and Eric. The whole the whole thing has cheapened the idea of what Kiss is. Right now, let's also go on uh, record in saying that you have all the black and blue albums for example right of course yeah all four of them on vinyl i like them a lot so this i have is badlands not... on vinyl as well yeah so this badlands is not... badlands was actually the first professional band i ever saw they opened my the first concert i ever went to so again you're not you're not talking about tommy and eric uh in a negative light you're no i have no personal problem decision... with tommy and eric as people at all you're talking more about the decision that was made yes and I'm going to, this is where you and I are going to part company. I'm going to say the decision that was made by the four original members. The makeup should have never been sold. The makeup never should have been purchased. That's how you feel. I agree that Ace and Peter were idiots to sell the trademark to their makeup. But I would also argue that at the time they did it, they never imagined that Gene and Paul would dress other people up as them. It was just about, you know, merchandising and, you know, posters and things like that. Well, I don't think in the 80s when they sold that. Now, we've all sold when things when we needed money. Exactly. We've Everyone listening probably has sold something when they needed money that they regretted selling later. Now, obviously, most of us haven't sold something as important as what A.S. and Peter sold. But just because it's legal doesn't make it ethically right or morally right just because it's legal. Just because it's legal for Gene and Paul to decide to dress other people up as, as Ace and Peter doesn't make it ethical. Especially when you consider the fact, the thing that everyone always leaves out of this debate is the farewell tour. The yeah. farewell tour. Well, 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 okay, let's, let's, let's table the rest of the discussion and focus right now on the farewell tour. Take it away. Okay, farewell tour. Gene Simmons, quote, from the time, I can't envision another incarnation of KISS with different members. Quote from Paul Stanley, he called the farewell tour the final farewell. At the time they did the farewell tour, every member of KISS 
in the press very explicitly they did not say this is the last tour for the original lineup of the band they said this is the last kiss tour so the narrative you see a lot of the time when people get upset when somebody says tommy shouldn't be dressing up as ace they say ace blew it ace quit ace had two or three chances he blew it that's complete bs the whole band quit when ace quit the whole band quit they did a farewell tour that was supposed to be the end then when ace didn't come back after the farewell tour they dressed somebody up else up as him you cannot tell me that's not ethically dubious you cannot tell me that post farewell tour ace doesn't return they dress somebody else up as ace you cannot tell just because it's legal doesn't make it right now i'm going to backtrack you just a little bit you're talking about this situation but prior to this, there was, had already been a precedent set by not only Eric Singer being in the Catman makeup, but Ed Cannon, Pete's drummer, filling in for a night. So right, you but have that's those just two filling situations. In. So are you saying that when Eric Singer was in the tour book and did that last leg of Japan, that it was just quote unquote filling in? Well, I don't approve. I don't approve of that either. I would have been furious if I've gone to one of those shows. Personally, that's just my personal reaction to it. You know, I went to the farewell tour. I paid good money to go to the farewell tour, and I feel like I was lied to. And I've always been annoyed ever since the fair. You know, the fact that they would come back with two other guys dressed up as Ace and Peter after their farewell tour to me is insulting. And that's just my personal opinion. Well, let me ask you this question: Is it possible to change your mind? Sure, but it's clearly ethically dubious post farewell tour. To dress somebody else up as Ace freely. Well, even all they had to do was have Tommy and Eric design their own characters, and I would have zero issue with that. No problem at all. If you know, however long ago, ten plus years ago, if Tommy and Eric had designed their own characters, that would be fine with me. Well, you I would do have realize no you you do realize even if there were a different set of makeup going on that there among some in the fan base. They would still say that it's wrong to for it to keep going on because even if they had, uh, even if you take the makeup out of the equation, you're going to probably say you can't do that. Well, I'm going to say that you can, and here's why: the fact that Kiss came back at all after the quote-unquote farewell tour, it was still Kiss. If they would have came back and brought Eric Singer and Bruce back, and they would have continued on in the revenge carnival souls type stuff it still would have been just as disingenuous right yeah i agree no it's an it's annoying it's always annoyed me that if you go back and read all the press they did about the farewell tour and everything they said all four of them it's annoying right it's an i was watching that dick clark thing live right when you know they came out on stage with tommy dressed up as ace and i was completely stunned I couldn't I believe they would movie. do it. I couldn't believe they would actually do that. Well, they also said that uh, at that point, Tommy... I remember being on KISS Online that day, and they, when the message board was going on and everything, and they said, KISS will perform tonight, blah, 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 blah. And, but it wasn't that, uh, you know, basically Tommy was filling in for this event. And Ace kind of did not want to be involved and so it was a filling kind of situation it wasn't until much later 
that we found out that Tommy was the new guitarist in KISS. Okay, <clears throat> the question is, why didn't Ace want to be involved? Because well, they did the farewell tour and it was done. That's why Ace didn't want to be involved. You cannot possibly... You know, I, I see this, I've seen this, people say this on Facebook so many times, Ace blew it, Ace quit. That's not fair. You cannot blame Ace for leaving after the farewell tour. It's completely illogical. Completely. In what ways can you blame Ace? I don't... You could blame Ace for selling his original trademark. Mm-hmm. That same, was, same that was idiotic. But like I said, I don't think at the time Ace sold it that he ever imagined that they would have the gall... To dress somebody else up as him. Now, do you remember? And they wouldn't have. You can, you know, you. I mean, do you think at the time that Gene and Paul purchased that trademark, they would have ever imagined that they would do that? No, I'm sure they didn't. I believe so. I believe, in all honesty, I believe that part of the reunion was to get that makeup, those makeup rights back. I firmly believe that, and I think that it was written in such a way in the contracts, and I wasn't at the meeting, so and someone out there saying, well, that Ken Mills, he sure talks like he knows a lot of stuff, but no, I don't know anything more than you guys do. So Ace and Peter, Ace and Peter got ripped off big time on the reunion tour. Well, big time. I, would, I can't say that because they signed everything. They agreed to it with lawyers and, you know you know well like i said just because it's legal doesn't make it right they they should have split the reunion tour four ways and i think it's disgusting they didn't well be now, that th- like I, like i'll keep saying this is just my opinion this right. is the way i you know this is my personal values you know i have my own personal values mm-hmm. that i look at these situations and i co- i formulate my own opinion about but it but see if you look at you know, like I said earlier, it's always been Gene and Paul's band in a sense. And this is not to take away anything from KISS. But even back in the day, Gene and Paul looked at this as a business. Ace and Pete looked at this as a way of not having to work. Which is not saying they didn't put in the sweat and the time and the hard work of touring the countries and going up and down the roads and making KISS a spectacle this is not to take away any of that you know i don't i don't agree with that i think they were all pretty much on the same page when they started out right but i still think that those guys they're they lived the rock and roll party lifestyle whereas gene and paul lived it in different ways so okay once again though they did i think i think history has been rewritten quite a bit by gene and paul and by kiss fans this idea that ace and peter were these massive fuck-ups who they had to practically pick them up off the floor and push them out on stage. It, it's completely ludicrous. Well, that may I mean, if you look at what they accomplished in those five years, like from 74 to 79, mm-hmm. you know, they put out, what, like seven studio albums. Uh, how many concerts did they play in those five years? I believe the Obviously, Ace and Peter were completely tough. professional. There's no way the band would have been able to accomplish what they accomplished in the 70s if Ace and Peter weren't completely professional. I just do not buy that at all. I agree with that for, I'd say, 85% of it. But the thing is, is that they all fell trapped, they all fell victim in some ways to the trappings of being in a rock band. I mean, it was a time when people were looking at uh, other rock stars and, hey, man, this is what you do. You party your ass off. And that still goes on, but I think that in. I hope that people are smarter in a lot of ways and 
I'm I'm anti-drinking, I'm anti-drugging for the most part. And I'm not saying that people can't have a good time, but you got to know when and enough is enough. And uh, that, that goes for anybody, and that's that's my morality, that's my thing, that's how I think, that's how I live. Like you said, you have your own code, I have mine. But <clears throat> I know that each one of those guys fell trappings to that rock and roll lifestyle, whether it was overspending or banging women this way and that way and snorting this and drinking that and licking this well, and all those things. But you... I think that, that Ace and Pete were the party guys, and Gene and Paul were the guys who were going to stay after and make sure that the, you know, I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. I I don't know how true that is. You know, it's hard for us to know. I, look, Ace Freely, you know, he built his smoking guitar. He okay. came up with his oh, guitar absolutely. that fired rock. You know, Ace Freely did so much stuff in the 70s. Ace Freely was so integral to the success of the band, in my okay. opinion, that to see that minimized by, I call some of these people Kiss apologists who just want to make excuses right. for you know the way what Kiss have done, and and one of the ways they make excuses for Kiss is to try to minimize what how important Ace was to what Kiss accomplished. Well, see, I can't, I could never do that because like he invented the logo. He there's so many yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. The sound of Ace. That's the Kiss sound. That's the sound that Tommy, again, that tree that Tommy's playing under is the tree that Ace built. So, Exactly. You know, one thing I was going to ask you is, what do you think Tommy Thayer has contributed to the legacy of Kiss or his, the history of Kiss? Has, what has he contributed to it? I think that he's enabled it to continue on. And but I that's think not... That's not contributing anything. I mean, yeah, but that isn't. That he like goes out on March stage thing? dressed as Ace Freely. <clears throat> he plays Ace's Gibson guitar. He copies Ace's style. He plays Ace's solos. He sings Ace's song. That's what he does. He also does a lot of stuff behind the scene, but that doesn't matter on stage, or does it? You know, I guess it depends. Uh, I look. Right, at... But out of this world, as Tommy tried to write a Space Man song, it's completely lame. Right, but we also know this, BJ. That if Ace Fraley were in the band today, and he said, "Hey guys, I got a new song. You know, it's about being in the garden with a hot chick. I'm gonna make love in a garden with this girl. You know, horrible Ace Fraley impersonation or Freely impersonation." <laughs> Gene would say he'd tap the paper and go, "Well, gee, Ace, that's great. Why don't you call it in the space garden?" Yeah, Gene would ruin it. In other words, you know, it would it would have to become because you know. Sadly, and I feel sadly, that uh, the characters are writing a lot more of the music than the people in the band are. And it's been that way since Psycho Circus, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, Psycho Circus was when it all, when it started to go downhill. You know, started? <laughs> I'd say they were at the bottom of it. I'm talking about the making of that album, Psycho Circus. Again, I wasn't there, you weren't there. There hasn't been as much written about it as I'd like to read. But uh, because I'd, I'd love for the, you know, sadly the producer's no longer with us. I would I would have loved to known what all happened there from the time when Ace and Pete saying we're not going to play on it if we don't get extra money and so on and so forth and all these different things, all these things that we've heard from both sides. Well, I could, I could tell you what I think happened with Psycho Circus. Well, this is your show as well, so go for it. 
Gene and Paul were on a power trip. And yes, Ace and Peter were being ripped off. And because of Gene and Paul's power trip, they that was not a reunion album. No, it was to me, not Psycho a Circus album. is a joke of a record. I hate that album. I hate it. And it's not a reunion album in any way, shape, or form. And I don't believe that's Ace and Peter's fault. I believe it's Gene and Paul's fault. Well, I think it's all Force's fault. I think that whether it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where they can't get together and play one song or and you know watch them surprise us, they they just might. But uh, and everyone will say, yeah, but those podcast guys, those podcast guys said that. Um, Ace and Peter are more than willing to go up there and play a song. Right, but there was also the night that Ace called up Eddie Trunk back when the announcement was first made, and he said, well, Tommy can be there, but he's not going to be in the space being makeup. Ace doesn't get to call the shots. I don't think Tommy should be there in the space man makeup. Well, I understand that, but... Uh, well, that's a, that's another discussion, and, and we'll get to that. Well, you must be able to see Ace's point of view on that. Yes, but we're, we're, we'll talk about that. Let me finish this bit about Psycho Circus. I look at the Psycho Circus album, as weird as this sounds, almost like an audio tour book. You know how you, you go to the show and you get the tour book and it looks all nice and glossy and there's these big pictures of the members of the band. That's to me all Psycho Circus is. It was almost like a uh, product of the tour. It was like, in addition to the reunion and the farewell tour, you can have this as well. It's not, to me, a great Kiss album, though there are moments of greatness that still happen and things that I enjoy on it. But then you've also got the situation where we have to write. So whoever is the space man in the band is going to have to do a space theme song. Whoever is the cat man in the band is going to have to do the all for the love of rock and roll hooligan type Beth songs. And then you've got the demon. And Gene can sing a few other things, you know, uh, usually about letting your backbone slip, uh, apparently. And uh, <clears throat> but then you, the evil is me, the devil is me, all that nonsense. And then you're gonna have Paul, who seems to be the only person who can define what the Star Child is going to be on every album. And I think he's the person that calls the shots, right or wrong. I think that that's the case. So even if Ace were in the band, he'd be stuck in that spaceman character. If Pete were in the band, he'd be told, "Yeah, you can, you know, have a writing credit, but this is what your song's about, and this is what it's going to sound like, and sing it like this." Sadly, I don't think Kiss has ever been a democracy in the studio. Do you? Yeah, I do. Really? You know, well, yeah. Look at Dynasty. Ace has three songs on that record. You know, yeah, but and how I can, I, wait you know, a second. Simba. That's that's crazy, and I'll tell you why. I love you, man, but that's crazy. At that point, Kiss were so dysfunctional. They were not really a band. They could not even get together to make a proper album cover. Pete shows yeah, but, up with charts. But, but Paul and Gene had no input on Ace Frehley's songs. <coughs> they weren't in charge of how Ace Frehley's songs sounded. You know, Gene Simmons completely meddled with Into the Void. Oh, absolutely. And probably ruined it. And, you know, from what I've read, Ace and Peter claim they both brought like three or four songs to the album sessions, and Gene and Paul wouldn't put any of them on the record. Right. And then the ballad that they had Peter sing is complete garbage. It's terrible. It's horrendous. It reminds uh, me of there's a There's no way that the ballad song. Peter had was worse than that song. 
I dig where you're coming from, brother. But to say and that... And also, you know, you were saying that, that they had... Sorry to cut you off, but you were saying they had to have the Spaceman song. But Ace Frehley's song was called Shake and Sharpshooter. It had nothing to do with... Gene Simmons added the Spaceman BS to right. it, so... Exactly. And I think that we would be in that same boat today. If Ace and Pete would have played on Monster, he pretty much would have got what you got. Uh, I don't know. Because you'd probably have some songs written by Ace, and they'd probably be the best ones on that record. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's not going to be... Kiss can never be that four-wheel vehicle that we always wanted them to be. I don't want them to be. They did the farewell tour. I went to the farewell tour. That was the farewell. Yeah, but I'm saying that even if Pete and Ace came back, it can't be that way. It won't be that way. Let's put it I that don't way. want Ace and Pete to come back. and I didn't never thought they would. I just think the four guys, in whatever they wear to the ceremony, should right. get up on stage, play rock and roll all night, hug, be a great moment. Instead, you know, we get this terrible, depressing controversy, and it's yeah, really see, sad. You're, you're sounding like a, a guy who, uh, you know, a, a set of children who would like to see mom and dad get back together at your wedding or at the family reunion or whatever. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. But Now, I'm not saying that they won't get up and play rock and roll night because the future is still unwritten. Who knows what could happen? But even if they do that, it's going to be, oh, you know, they'll, they'll put aside for a few minutes and then they'll pick it right back up. Because Paul's book's going to be coming out and it's going to upset everybody just like everybody else's book did. And I'm currently reading Peter Chris's book right now and boy, it's a kind of a hard pill to swallow. Not because of what he claims to be in it, but I don't know if it's that true at times what do you think yeah i think probably 75 percent of peter chris's book is made up Ouch. i think it should probably be in the fiction part of the bookstore well it it seems weird because he seems to go from um i hate this person this person is a but then i love this person so much and he he keeps it, it almost sounds like he's on johnny carson's couch back in the 70s and he's all maudlin about things you know he, he and he talks, he names people Bobby, and, you know, like when he talks about Bob Ezra and he calls him Bobby. And, you know, this is a side note, but I've had people get mad because I call him Pete. I call Peter Chris Pete. <laughs> and it's people have insinuated that I'm trying to say something bad about him. But for Peter Chris fans that get upset about me calling him Pete, go open up the book that Peter Chris put out, and you'll see where Gene Cupro wrote in an autograph to Pete and there's a couple times where Pete's talking about close friends would say Pete to him now I agree I'm not a close friend of Peter Chris but I've always heard Gene call him that Ace call him that and I don't understand it's always been Paul who would say Peter you know but Paul's always like more proper if you will uh, both uh, Gene and Paul have that Madonna I'm English kind of thing going on do you know what I mean by that BJ <laughs> yeah, I guess. Remember when Madonna used to be like this trashy girl who wore rags and, yeah, and sang about you might be my lucky star? And then at some point she started speaking like she was from England. All of her interviews sounded like this. Well, the same with Gene and Paul. You know, I remember seeing the pictures of the demon and you'd think, oh my God, what's that guy sound like? And then you'd 
turn on the radio around 1978 or whatever, you'd see him on uh, with Denny Sanders on WEWS TV out of Cleveland. He'd be like, you know, yes, I come to Cosmic Comic and blah blah blah, and it's just like it just seems so weird because what that image was and what that sounded like was so weird. Whereas they used to be from the streets and more street sounding and. But I guess that happens when you have success. So. Hi, this is Bob Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. At some point, Kiss changed their mind. At some point, they decided to continue on. Even Peter came back. So three of the original four decided to come back at some point. Should they not have had the right to do that? I suppose they had the right to do it. But, but... You're, but then again, you're, you're also saying just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. <clears throat> So well, at least you're being consistent. I, you know, obviously they could come back after the farewell tour. The, the, the reason, the main reason I bring up the farewell tour is because of the narrative you see. Ace blew it. Ace quit. Screw Ace. And that's complete BS. Well, let me ask you this. When Pete quit, what did you think back in the day? When, when Peter Chris quit the band back in the day, what was your reaction? Well, when Peter Chris quit, I was like six years old. Right. But Looking back on it, he was an idiot. <laughs> he thought he was going to have his big solo career. Mm-hmm. And um, we all know how that panned out. Yeah. I think the re- you know, I think the reason, I mean, in recent years, they've claimed that Peter Chris was kicked out of the band. Well, I, think the yeah, re- I think the reason he was gone was um, because he thought he was going to have a big solo career because of Beth, I guess. Well, I think all four of those guys are being whispered to by people that you don't need the other ones don't you think? Yeah. Whether it was Gene, Paul, Ace, or Pete. There's people that are your party buddies, and there's people that'll kiss your ass and tell you, you don't need those other people. Why don't you and I go do something? Whether it's I'll manage you, or I'll work with you, or I'll do this. You don't need those guys. I think that everybody had that going, and I think that the solo albums only made it worse. Do you think that Peter Chris was out of the band because he was an out-of-control drug addict who couldn't be reined in and Peter has admitted to basically messing with the tempo of songs if he didn't I mean he threw drumsticks at people he he, he basically was in control the, a drummer can be in the driver's seat in a way that no one else can in a band you can go from sound like a polka band to a rock band and like that quick if you have a shitty drummer or a drummer that doesn't really want to be there yeah and there were shows on the Dynasty Tour where he would slow down to a crawl and then speed up. And I think that even Ace got pissed at that kind of stuff because... But I think that Ace was professional despite the drinking. That he would hold it together and the show would happen. You know, I mean, Ace was electrocuted for God's sakes. You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> On stage, he was shocked and he would be passed out. But I think that Peter took a harder road on things and he was also in that accident and I think that I think that a lot of times Pete hears what he wants to hear and if he assumes or thinks that you're upset at him or that you're against him you are whether you are or not I think that you know we've, we've heard where Bill O'Coin has talked about how they had the meeting and Ace Gene and Paul voted Pete out of the band yeah but it was gonna happen one way or the other Pete was gonna quit I mean it was the kind of thing like you can't throw me out I quit please don't yeah. th- please don't make me go guys I'll, I'll make it work you know and and then he probably would have said screw you I'm out of here so 
It was just going to happen. It was a matter of time. They couldn't work together anymore. And yeah, Peter, I think uh, yeah, Peter obviously turned into a real brat, and you know, was obviously was difficult to work with. And he says in his book, he admits that I quit the band thousands of times. You know, there was there was yeah. a story where Pete was making fun of a waiter somewhere, and uh, they told him to stop, and he said, "Well, I'll quit the band, or if I can't get this." you know drum solo in strange ways i'm gonna quit the band and so it was always like let me guess you're gonna quit the band again so i think that they got to a point where they became super kiss and they didn't need him that's how they thought about it and i think that i think the ace probably was to the point where like wait a second you're like screwing up the tempo of the song on stage in front of a paying crowd yeah that's not cool well why do you think ace left the band the first time I think that, well, okay, I look at KISS, have you ever watched the show Survivor? No. Okay, it's a great, as you know, say what you will about, but it's a great study that everyone should watch at least one season of Survivor, because there's going to be that guy you don't like, and you're going to see how people work behind the scenes and screw one another over. In this case, I look at KISS as Survivor KISS. You have Gene and Paul, and they say, let's start a band, so they start a band, Coin says everybody has to be equal. Okay, fine and good. But equal, you know, who determines what? Whether it's Gene, you know, chasing starlets or Paul doing his thing or Ace doing his thing or Pete doing his thing, they all fell victim to the trappings of being a rock star. And the weaknesses, uh, you know, just like I said earlier, that the solo albums didn't fix the problems in the band, it just Put a bigger microscope on them so in that same sense fame did that and uh, money did that you know any of the problems they would have had riding around in a van when they had 26 cents between them became even bigger when there was millions of dollars on the table so and one person's idea of professionalism and another's are two different things and uh, bill o'coin probably did his best to try to work that out but the, the TV show Survivor, it always comes down to people who can make an alliance and vote the other people off. And, you know, whether it's a study in Darwinism or whatever, but Gene and Paul were a strong alliance. And once Ace decided to vote against Pete, it became a vote of three with Bill O'Coin having a say. And then basically, Bill O'Coin was muted and then Ace was muted. So at some point, Ace lost his party buddy in Kiss, and I think that he really enjoyed Unmasked around the time because he was getting all those extra songs on the albums and extra songs live. I think he enjoyed all that, but I don't think he liked the politics of what was going on behind the scenes, the, the stuff we didn't know about at the time. I don't think he liked being outvoted continually. Right. I don't so think did he Ace liked the blow direction. it? Did yes, blow yes it? and no. Yes and no. Gene and Paul blew it too, and I think they would admit it. They have admitted it in the past, whether they currently would allow that to happen, but I think that they all have admitted at one point that they fell victim to the trappings of it all. But as far as Ace blowing it, I feel this is going to sound weird. And when Pete left the band, I took that very personal. It was like a slap in the face. And it was like, as much as I enjoyed Eric Carr, it was like, yeah, but he broke up my Beatles. You know what I mean? When we were all growing up there in the 70s, those were our Beatles. 
And so when Pete left us, he left us. Same with Ace, but see, we didn't know what was going on at the time. To say that Ace blew it, I think that Ace has had problems. He's got his demons, just like Gene and Paul and Pete and everybody else that's ever been in the band. We all have our demons. We all have our things that we have to figure out, whether it's with your job or whatever. So I don't know if I can say that Ace blew it. I can say that Ace quit us twice. I will say, okay, he didn't quit twice because the whole band quit. <laughs> The okay. farewell tour, you, like, like I keep saying, okay, you how cannot about this? say he, Ace he, quit. How about this? When he, they did he a farewell tour. He didn't come back to us. What? He didn't come back to us. They did a farewell tour and I Ace know, was done. I know, but... I don't, you can't blame him for that. You cannot we, blame him. I don't see how logically you can blame him or say he quit. The whole band quit, supposedly. Right, okay, know? well that's the second time. So Ace did not quit the second time. The Ace, first time... When Ace quit, yeah. so did every KISS fan. You the know, first time? Ace was not happy about The Elder. Neither was Eric Carr. But like you were saying, Ace was outvoted by Gene and Paul. And, you know, when Ace quit after The Elder, so did every other KISS Every Kiss fan quit the band, too. Well, and yet they blame Ace for quitting. Yeah, but you know? see, I didn't, quit the, I didn't quit the band. I still hung in there. I, I, I kept, I, I kept I, hoping. I like Unmasked. I like The Elder. But... You know, the majority of, well, a lot of, it seems like, you know, a lot of people now like The Elder, a lot of KISS fans, but obviously at the time, no KISS fans like The Elder. I remember you know? feeling very alone on that island. Yeah. <laughs> um, but creatures, I think that, creatures healed a multitude of sins, shall we say. That's true, but Ace was already gone by then. Yeah, but I we mean, didn't he's know on the that. cover, but he was gone. We didn't know that. No. You know, and everybody seems to be an expert now, but I remember being, uh, um, probably 20 years old when Creatures came out, and I just thought, man, this is awesome. I didn't, I didn't ask who is this, and but I knew it sounded different. But see, when Pete, uh, you know, when Dynasty and Unmasked came out, as much as I hated those albums, I thought that Pete really ate his Wheaties and stepped up his game and became a consistent drummer. I didn't go like, wow, that's not Pete. I, yeah. I didn't know, man. I was like, what? 17 when Dynasty came out or whatever so you know and the same with Alive too. I didn't like go wow that doesn't sound like Ace Frehley I thought wow Ace is really showing me something cool and people may say well that's that sounds stupid but we went from hearing his work on Dress to Kill to his solo album which blew the doors off of everything I think Ace's solo album was so amazing. We heard stuff that we'd never heard Ace do. Exactly, so but when I heard Alive Two, it was like, "Wow, he's still bringing his—he's eating his Wheaties and bringing his A game." You know what I mean? So I didn't but in know. The, but in the rewritten history, Ace was this complete disaster, mess, drug addict. You know, Gene and Paul had to carry everything because Ace was a mess. And yet he made the the best solo album of all four. He's got three songs at Dynasty, three songs on Unmasked. Mm -hmm. It, to me, that's all BS about how Ace blew it, Ace was a disaster, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, but if you read Ace's book, which, you know, you, you can only take so much of anyone's opinion on their own life seriously because you have to kind of uh, put a whole thing together. But Ace would admit that he was drunk off his ass a lot, and but Ace was 
and this is not said as a judgment. He was a functional alcoholic. I'm sure he would tell you that. He's he's done recovery. You know what I mean? This is not a he slam made, against him. He made, he made tremendous contributions to the band Absolutely. all the way through 1980. And then he became disinterested or alienated at the time of the elder, which you would think most people could understand, mm-hmm. you know, especially putting yourself in the 1981 setting. My theory is that Gene and Paul have always have really resented Ace for leaving them in the lurch the way he did, and they have a point. You know, when he ditched that, you know, it's like he jumped ship when it when things went wrong, mm-hmm. and I think they've always really resented that, and and that's why they thought that they should make ten times more than Ace on the reunion tour is because they were the ones who kept things going when he ditched them. I'll tell you what, if someone left a business that I was part owner of and became full owner of, if they came back to work with me, I would have a hard time giving them their 25% back. Yeah, I see the point in that, but I don't buy into the into the idea that the reunion tour was a huge success because they kept the band going over the 80s. In fact, I think it's more like the reunion tour was a huge success in spite of what they did in the 80s because... Many, many of the people who went to the reunion tour were not fans of Kiss in the 80s. Right. I was, but a lot of people weren't. See, I disagree with you. I think that that basically when Kiss came back together, when the four original guys came back together, I think that that was only aided by what happened in the 80s. I think had they not taken that other step, people wouldn't have said, they're back in the same sense of if... They would have went away totally and came back. Like, there's people that have said Kiss would have been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame if they would have broke up after Dynasty. And I doubt that. I can't see Dave Marsh and the gang saying, wow, that was a really good band we missed out on. I think that the legend only would have went so far. I think that they would have been, like, mentioned in the same way as people do the Village People or something like that. It's really hard to say. Yeah, no one can know. No one can know. Well, one other, one other thing I wanted to talk about yes, is sir. just the way that the idea of what a band is has just been, in the last decade or so, because of business, has been so cheapened, not only by Kiss, the but Eagles. if you look at a band like Bon Jovi, yeah. right? Yeah. They've had the same bass player for, I think, almost 20 years, mm-hmm. and yet he's not a member of the band. He's not in any of the pictures of the band. You know, he's not credited as a band member. To me, that's disgraceful. It completely cheapens the idea of what a band is. Well, you, you replace your bass player. You know, the, to, uh, Bon Jovi are the first band I remember doing that. So, And it's so obnoxious because they've had the same guy the entire time. Yeah, you would and yet, think, why not? he's not in any of the official promotional materials about the band. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the other four guys. Like, they don't even have a bass player. And to me, that's pathetic. Why not make the guy a member of the band? And I think Kiss have cheapened the idea of what a band is by saying that they could just put anybody in that costume, like they're interchangeable. But then you've got a band like Metallica who, you know, James Heffield said in, I think it was in the documentary, some kind of monster, he said, we're not going to be one of those bands with three guys on the t-shirt. And he was obviously referring to a band like Bon Jovi. And, you know, they, because uh, what is a band? It's the guy, it's, all a band is is the guys in the band. That's the band. And if you change the guys, it's not the, that, that's a different band. Yes and no. Because... Ba- the concept of a band is very important to me. I mean, okay. Rock and roll is art. 
songwriting is art, Perf you know, performing live music is art, and it, too much of the business aspects have taken over with these very successful bands like Bon Jovi, who would be as obnoxious as to have the same basis for 20 years, and yet he's not a member of the band. Mm -hmm. To me, that's pathetic. And have you seen that documentary about Journey that came out last year? Uh, not yet. So I was thinking about that, you know. So when Neil Schoen found that singer, Arnel Pineda, I, th I think his P name is, Padilla. he found him on YouTube, right? And, yeah. you know, the the um, the the story was that he was in a Journey tribute band, which wasn't true. He was in a cover band that played some Journey songs. Right. But if you watch that documentary, they took that guy, and they made him a complete partner in the band. You know, he gets one-fifth right. of everything. And that's the right way to do it, in my opinion. That's just the right thing. And you look at a guy like Vinnie Vincent, you know, they say Vinnie Vincent's problems was his contract, his salary. Well, I can see Vinnie Vincent's side of it. A band's well, a band. Listen, I can see his side of it, too. On the other hand, your romantic idealism and my romantic idealism of what a band should be. It's like my beloved Beatles and Monkeys, for example. When I was a kid, I thought they all like lived in the same house and played music and had fun and were, were buds, you know what I mean? But in reality, it's it's a much different thing, and it's always been. I mean, let's let's I guess we'll look back to the '50s is where a rock band really started, right? Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. And it's always been that there's somebody who's gonna wind up owning the band. I mean, what about Alice Cooper? Do you think that that was wrong on some level? Well, I mean, they broke up. Right, and... but, but let me let me frame it, okay? All right, we're all drinking, we're all doing what we want to do. I'm going to become Alice Cooper. That way there's only one image to sell instead of five, guys. Won't that be easy for everybody? And then, hey, now that I'm Alice Cooper, I'm kicking you all out of the band. And I'm going to keep going on as... Alice Cooper. Shouldn't Alice Cooper have had to be, do his own name? Going by what you're saying, it was That was wrong. his name, though. It became his name, but it was not really his name. Vincent Furinay, you know, or whatever the hell you No, but it. he but was credited always as Alice Cooper. I understand so. that, but see, the thing is, is that those other guys were just as much Alice Cooper as Alice Cooper was. I remember on uh, Alice Cooper's uh, radio show, and I love Alice Cooper, huge Alice Cooper fan. We're just talking about the ethics of, of bands right now, so I'm putting that on the plate as well. He was saying that, come on, you guys need to put Ace back in the band, and I was thinking, that's the last thing Ace needs, because to me, when he's around Kiss, he gets destructive. It just seems like it. And, you know, whether that's from working with Gene and Paul or, the, you know, whatever it is, I just think he's healthier and sober. It, at least that seems to be the track record. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that it seems like it. I, I care more about Ace Frehley, the actual human being, than I do Ace Frehley, the guy that's in Kiss. I, I really care more about those guys as people because they've given me a lot of great stuff, a lot of great music, and a lot of great memories. And I just want them to be happy and healthy and live out their lives and do whatever they do. At the end of the day, this this is just a band. You know, nothing to get really worked up about. But going back to the Alice Cooper discussion, he basically assumed all power by assuming that identity. And yeah, he was the main focal point of everything. 
But those guys that recorded those first albums, all the great classic Cooper tracks that are still performed today, basically he bounced the whole band and look, there's a blonde drummer and there's a guitar player over there. And people didn't really know that they weren't seeing anything that they didn't see the year before. Yeah, Alice was the main focal point, but Alice Cooper became one man. It went from being five guys to one man with a flick of a contract paper. And some of those guys went on to have great lives, some not so much, but Alice has always been a very hard worker, even when he was uh, dealing with all his demons and stuff like that. So I look at that, and to me, that seems kind of unethical. And I love Alice Cooper. But those guys had to, you know, one guy's a realtor now. Do you think if he would have stayed in the band that he would have been a realtor? Do you think that the you, drummer of Alice you, Cooper would have become a realtor if he would have said, you know, Alice, this is great. We're on our 19th album. I'm going to quit the band and become a realtor down in Florida. No, he wouldn't. You have a point, but it's not the same thing as what Kiss have done. And he was always Alice Cooper. You know, he didn't he didn't decide when the band broke up that he was now going to become Alice Cooper. He was always Alice Cooper. Right. But so it, I I don't think that when he assumed the name Alice Cooper that he thought someday I'm going to screw these guys out of the money, you know. Yeah. But that's what happened. So anyhow, there's been a lot of bands like you take the Ramones, not only do you have to surrender your real name uh, when the when the bass player was replaced in the Ramones, that guy became the guy that did one, two, three, five, and played his parts and wore the same outfit and did the thing. It happens all the time. You basically just need a guy to do what that other guy did when you get in a band. Only with Kiss's case, there's an actual makeup design you put on somebody's face. And, you know, Kiss said in that uh, press release when they put out about the Rock and Roll fame, that Kiss has, a, has problems like a band like no other, and this is one of those problems, that there actually is an argument. I, I mean, if this were like Sammy Hagar versus David Lee Roth versus Gary Sharon, that would be one thing. And we do have those arguments as Kiss fans, that it's, you know, Bob Kulik versus Bruce Kulik versus Vinnie Vincent versus Mark St. John versus Ace Frehley versus Tommy Thayer. So we do have those arguments. <laughs> And we enjoy having them. That's part of the discussion of being a Kiss fan. But uh, but but when Gary Sharon joined Van Halen, he didn't bleach his hair and wear assless pants, and they didn't say he was playing the atomic punk character. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But see, I don't see Tommy, and you've you've heard this before from me. I'll say it again. I don't see Tommy as like, hey, this is my tour manager, Frankie Scalero. You know what I mean? I see him as being Tommy Thayer wearing that costume but he's wearing the makeup and costumes that ace freely designed that were supposedly a manifestation of ace freely's personality yeah but don't you know that some of that is hyping not true sure that they but if you children? know if 10 plus years ago if tommy and eric had just designed their own characters no one would know the difference now it would be the same it would still be kiss out on tour and people would still be the same people would be buying tickets I and agree. they would have done the right thing. Now, they made a really bad decision. Let me ask you this. What if they would have taken the Spaceman character and the Cat character and designed slightly different makeup designs within that thing? Would you have had a problem with that? That would have still been pretty lame. 
I think Tommy and Eric should have come up with their own. Of course, Eric Hart didn't really come up with his own, did he? Or did well, did Vinny he come up told, with the Fox? Vinny Vince. I mean, got I know a new Paul name. came up with. Yeah, Paul Vin- came up with Vinny's. Yeah, Vinny. Vinny not only got a new name, but he was told that he was going to be the Ankh Warrior. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Eric was going to be the chicken, remember? <laughs> or the hawk, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was, the hawk. Yeah. And Bruce said that he might be a dog. And, uh, I don't know. Kiss fans have a lot of imagination, and we have fun. But, uh, I don't know. I-, I think we should call it a podcast. Uh, we were about that time. Yeah. And, again, we disagreed on things, but we were not disagreeable. And I not once called you a sheep, Kool-Aid drinker, hater-aid, <laughs> hater, or any of that stuff. And you didn't do that with me either. So it can be done, folks. We can disagree. KISS does not need your protection. They're a bunch of millionaires, more than any of us probably listening to this are. They do not need our protection. They are a band that we enjoy. That's it, really. If they've given you something to live by, like, for example, BJ, as weird as this is going to sound, when I found out that Gene didn't do drugs, I remember trying drugs in the 70s and stuff and things that I did in the 80s, but when I'd see Gene saying, you don't need to do that, I'd be like, you know, I I don't need to do that. That was a kind of cool thing. There's a lot of cool things you can learn from KISS, but there's a lot of things that... You don't always have to agree with how Kiss did them either. Make sense? Yeah. All right. So two Kiss fans, a couple different opinions, and Dave Marsh has his, and our opinion on Dave Marsh is, <laughs> so there you go. Our opinion on Dave Marsh is, who cares what he thinks? Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a really cool quote from Steve Perry. I'm going to find if I can real quick. Steve Perry called David Marsh an unusual little man who all too often thinks that his subjective opinions translate to an arguable fact. Zing. Yeah, Dave Marsh is an elitist prick. (laughs) And that's BJ's opinion. (laughs) Well, didn't he essentially equate Kiss with Justin Bieber in one direction in that article? Yeah, yeah. In a sense that those are bands he doesn't like, so anyway... He's an asshole. Well. That's all. Don't be shy, BJ. How do you really feel? <laughs> so we're going to call this one a podcast. Thank you, BJ, for being on the show with us and being part of everything here. And uh, thank you for for disagreeing and not being disagreeable. And we'd like you to uh, let us know what you think about our thoughts and what we've talked about. And you can do it on our Facebook page or over at KISSFAC or wherever. Tell some friends about us. Rate us on iTunes, and that's very important. The more you rate us on iTunes, the more people will get to know us as well. So please do that. If you subscribe through iTunes, please give us a rating. It doesn't take a lot of time. And even if you don't like us, just put the rating up there. I don't care. Have fun. Again, with Kiss Army, love one another, treat each other right, and have fun and rock and roll night and party every day. Or something like that. Someone somewhere is needing to hear from you. Someone needing to know that you care. Care enough to give the gift of podcast. Tell a friend about podcast today. Download us on iTunes, friend us on Facebook, and rock your ass out. Podcast.
And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, Thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. And now on NBC's Saturday Night at the Movies, KISS meets the Phantom.